It is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023, and welcome to episode 224 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, NSI Master Puppeteer, and once again, I'm joined today by Morgan Vigna, NSI Senior Fellow, and someone who must hold secrets on Jamil because she's been kindly filling in for him all week. And last month, she still holds secrets on me. It's one or the other. It's, it's a small team here. <laughs> and then Les Munson, who is always here. Thank you, Les. Okay, so what's the story today? A couple of weeks ago, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan met with Saudi Crown Prince MBS and discussed, among many things, the possibility of Saudi-Israeli normalization. For those of you that haven't been following, this is part of the White House's push for a Saudi-Israeli peace deal, which they want to be done in the next six to seven months before the presidential election campaign kicks up. Rather than simply playing middleman, the U.S. is actually playing dealmaker because MBS has reportedly said rather than small steps towards warring relations with Israel, he would wants one big package from the U.S. with deliverables like advanced weapon systems and a U.S.-Saudi civil nuclear cooperation agreement. Some U.S. officials have said it's in Saudi's interest to get a normalization agreement done with Israel now because pre- when President Biden is in his office, because it'll get a little bit more political support and legitimacy in Washington, especially as uh, President Biden might have to warm up some Democratic congressional lawmakers. Uh, from its seat, Israel sees Saudi Arabia as a critical part of its outreach to the Arab world and has long wanted to normalize relations with the kingdom, especially since signing the Abraham Accords in 2020, uh, which it did with the UAE and Bahrain. Um, however, previously, the Saudis have said that normalization would take place only if there's progress on the Israeli-Palestinian peace process. And it's unclear what the Saudis in the U.S. will ask of Israel and how far Netanyahu will come to the table to secure a deal. Okay, so let's kick it off with you guys and talk about Congress for a second. A lot of Saudis' requests uh, would need congressional buy-in. And given both uh, Democratic and even the president's um, comments on the kingdom's human rights uh, record and maybe some chagrin over last year's OPEC Plus decision to keep oil production low, which we saw really high gas prices here in the U.S. right before the midterms. A lot a lot, a lot of angry folks that thought uh, the Saudis had kind of turned back on their agreement with um, President Biden after his visit out to Saudi in, in the summer. Um, what do we think is going to happen on the Hill? Where is the administration going to see some support? Where is it going to see some pushback? Morgan, I'll turn it to you first. Thanks, Jess. You know, we, we can't talk about U.S.-Saudi relations without bringing up the Hill. Um, Saudi remains a contentious issue uh, with Congress, particularly amongst Democrats. You know, there's been renewed interest in engaging the kingdom. Well, as of late, Mitch McConnell actually led a CODEL of Republican senators last February. And this is the first CODEL, the first official visit by Congress since Todd Young went in 2019. Saudi is a very different place than it was just a few years ago. And while many on the right see value in the strategic relationship, Democrats still have a lot of heartburn um, with Saudi Arabia, particularly with the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. While I believe that there are some Democrats that do see the value in repairing relations with Saudi, you know, it's Khashoggi is just still a trigger. At the same time, you know, members really need to go to Saudi Arabia. They need to have those difficult conversations with MBS because simply isolating the kingdom and specifically MBS, it's it's not going to bring Khashoggi back and it's only going to hurt U.S. relations with the kingdom in the long term. Les, what do you make? You know, uh, we see the first Saudi women astronaut going to the space station. So do you agree with Morgan that there's been a change in the kingdom in the last few years? Do you think that's enough of a change to get Democrat more Democrats on board? What's your sense? 
Yeah, Saudi Saudi Arabia is definitely changing. Some some of the changes are are very much for the good. Some perhaps not so great. Uh, I think it's uh, putting it mildly to say we we have different values than the kingdom does. Uh, Saudi Arabia, notably, nowhere near being a democracy, uh, and it doesn't have the same view of human rights that we do. Having said that, hugely important to the U.S. strategically and just in a realistic point of view. Uh, the, the partnership between the United States and Saudi Arabia is such a force multiplier across a number of areas, even as we become less dependent on Middle Eastern oil and Saudi oil in particular. Uh, it, this is a, a hugely important relationship. I frankly think the White House is intentionally misreading the mood on the Hill with respect to Saudi Arabia, where <clears throat> I think there would be certainly enough support to get a package done with the Saudis that that makes a difference and helps broker this broader agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia on on diplomatic and security issues. I think I think we, the administration should be pushing hard for that. There's certainly more support on the Hill for that kind of initiative than there was and is for a renewal of the JCPOA, for example. So why do you think they're intentionally misreading the Hill's vibe? Well, a lot of this is political, uh, and it's the president's base uh, on the left that is mostly concerned about the relationship with Saudi Arabia that has a very dark view of Riyadh and, and in fact, would, would tilt U.S. policy much more towards Iran in the region, to be totally frank about it. And and that's that's just frankly the wrong policy. It's not a good policy. The president shouldn't be giving it a lot of credit. And I think he, he needs to learn how to say no to members of his own party. So we've talked here on the show the pros cons of working with the Saudis on a civil nuclear program. I mean, obviously, this is the opening salvo of negotiations, right? But it seems like the Saudis are asking for a lot. Like, what's your sense, Morgan, on what they may not get? Right. So look, until recently, the Saudis view prospects of normalization through a U.S.-Saudi lens. They want security guarantees that the United States is going to have its back if the kingdom is attacked, particularly by the Houthis in Yemen or by another Iranian proxy. MBS wants reliable weapon sales from the United States. Otherwise, they're going to go to other partners and potential adversaries like China. Um, And they want a civ nuke energy program outside of a one-two-three agreement. These are tall orders and will absolutely require congressional buy-in. Frankly, though, this is an opening bid that you know the Biden administration should negotiate with. The w- one additional wrinkle that we've seen as of late is that MBS and BB have had two calls this year, which is enormous progress. However, it sounds like MBS is also trying to tie some sort of deal with the Palestinians to in order to reach normalization. Frankly, this goes completely against the spirit of the Abraham Accords, which deliberately separated the Palestinian issue from normalization. So it's something that it's a, it's a newer development that we're going to have to, that the Biden administration is going to have to work through. I mean, Les, do you think that's going to be a huge hurdle, the Israel-Palestinian issue? Well, I agree with Morgan to the extent I don't think it should be linked to the other thing. But we shouldn't ignore the Palestinian issue. There is this this view in Washington am- among a lot of folks, particularly folks we agree with, that the world has moved on from the Israeli-Palestinian dispute and kind of left it on the back burner. There's a lot of truth in that, but that doesn't mean we can ignore the issue. There should be progress on Israel-Palestinian uh, peace and harmony. And I think if we can uh, talk to the Saudis and say, look, uh, that's a terrific issue for us to be working on. If you can help put pressure on the Palestinians to come to a more reasonable place on some of these issues, great. And we can we can work on the other side and try to make something happen. I think that's frankly a positive. Now that there's much less pressure on that issue than there was, say, 10 years ago or even five years ago, maybe we do have a chance to actually make some progress there. 
Do you think there is less pressure now? I mean, considering it's been heightened tensions, we've talked here on the show about, you know, what the heightened tensions in the in, in the region. Well, let's, yeah, Jones, just to be realistic, I mean, all kinds of Arab states are making peace deals with Israel, despite there not being a lot of progress with the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. So, yes, the, the, the mood has definitely changed over the last few years. The Palestinians don't have as many options as they used to diplomatically and, and in the region. And so now actually might be a good time to try and go in and do something constructive. MBS has made it quite clear that Palestinian leadership is inept. He's lost all faith and confidence in Abbas. And I suspect that MBS is trying to exploit the divisions with the Israeli government to see what he can get for the Palestinians and to make the case to his own people. So you guys, we we promised you a little late start today, but that we would solve the Middle East in in under 10 minutes. And we we did so. Uh, With that, that's a wrap. Thanks, guys. And thanks to Brooke Agacon from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. And join us again on Friday for another episode of Fault Lines and maybe the return of Jamil uh, for the podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. We're also now up on YouTube. So check us out there. And if you like what you heard or saw, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 